Talk lines open now at 247-2000. Hey, 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 welcome to First City Forum. I'm your host, Zach Layton, and I got a full house today. We got a couple of different guests. Uh, first up, we have Jesse and Jake from Race to Alaska. How's it going today, gentlemen? Uh, we're doing pretty great. Pretty great. Having a great time up here in Ketchikan. Having a great time up here in Ketchikan. Now, how, this is obviously not your first time here in Ketchikan. You've been here many times, I'm sure. Many times. Jake has been here a lot more times than I. This is my third trip. I plan on uh, buying a, a summer home. A summer home, really? <laughs> he says facetiously <laughs> with a laugh. Well, today's a beautiful day out there. I can see why you would maybe be interested in that. So how's your time in Ketchikan been this time around? You know what? One of the secret ingredients of the race to Alaska is the community of Ketchikan, and it's been fantastic. Really, we've just been up here reconnecting with old friends, meeting new friends, and uh, making sure people are remembering that the race to Alaska is about to happen in just a couple of short months. So it's been it's been fun. Yeah, no, it's always a good time here. So race to Alaska is kicking off in two months. When do they d- disembark? They're going to disembark Port Townsend on June 5th. Oh, wow, that really, really yeah. is close. That's right around the corner. So yeah, you should be seeing them up here in Ketchikan around, I'll say, the 12th, depending on... Oh, many the, factors. Aren't there, don't you, can, can't you buy like raffle tickets to see and like bet on or like decide on when you think the race is going to be over? So is this an inside scoop? This is not an inside from scoop. From and also there, this year there, there's actually, Chamber of Commerce has been uh, lovely to work with in the years past we've been doing the raffle. This year it's not going to be happening, but I think uh, looking in the crystal ball, you'll see a return of that okay. in years to come. So no, no raffle this year, but keep an eye out you're welcome to bet amongst yourselves oh bet amongst ourselves is that like that'll go along with march madness we'll have race to alaska madness absolutely absolutely <clears throat> so i would imagine if it's right around the corner in june that applications would be open yeah applications now, right? have been open uh, they open every year in september and they are you got about another month to go they close up on april 15th uh, tax day tax day Death taxes and race to Alaska. There you go. That's those are the only things you can really count on. At least death and taxes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can count on the race to Alaska being entertaining, right? How many participants do you normally have in race to Alaska? It fluctuates. This year we've, uh, you know, we can't say for certain because we still have that month to go. But we're sitting, right. we're sitting around thirty at the moment. Oh, wow. So you should, uh, and with our, with our usual attrition rate, <laughs> you'll see. Anywhere from 40 to 70% of those people on your shores. Yeah, I think out of the 40-some teams that went up, started last year, only 19 of them actually made it all the way. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Huge. Last year was like there was the usual sort of blisters and, and, and injury people got, but mm. there was a ton of boats that got smashed to, to, to leave, needing to leave the race because of how much driftwood there were. And so people are sailing all night. Really? And they would just smash into driftwood <laughs> and like jack up their boats. Smash into driftwood and jack up the boats and have to be out of the race. Is that that's not normal? No, it was more than usual last year. There was a, a big tidal event that picked mm. up just about every log from here to Port Townsend <laughs> and threw it in the way of the racers. I, I can imagine that would be hazardous to all involved. So you say there's about 30 applicants right now. You had 40 last year, so you're right on track. So tell us a little bit about how Race to Alaska got started in the first place. So this is Jake. I am the guy who came up with the idea of Race to Alaska, and it came the from founder the founder. 
lead instigator. Can something. you imagine? There is a there's a marble bust of me being woken worked up as we speak <laughs> down the, down the street. Uh, it was at a beer tent. It's hard to believe that a, an idea like Race to Alaska would happen at a beer tent, but it's mm. true. It was early in the evening though, so mm. I like to think of it as many kind of good a, ideas. Yeah, around, around beer, exactly. Uh, and it, the entire idea came was I heard a lot of really bad ideas, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I know, let's just nail ten thousand dollars to a tree and catch a can and see who gets it first. That's a great idea, and it's kind of what stuck. Hmm. So, what do you when you say you literally nailed ten thousand dollars to a tree? Uh, not a tree, not but a. There tree. is a nail and a stack of cash. Yeah, so every year we give away, so the winner wins $10,000. The first place prize is $10,000. The second place prize is a set of steak knives. Mm. And we give them away. Quite a disparity. Quite a disparity. Then third place is like nothing. You get nothing. Some Raven's Brew coffee. No, you don't even. If you buy it, you get that. But like, we're not giving you (laughs) anything but a golf clap and like, well done. Good show, old chap. Good show. Anyway, so we give away the $10,000. And in the first promo video, we basically nailed $10,000 to a tree. And then said, go get it. And so every year since then at Alaska Fish House, mm-hmm. we host like an end of year party in which we give the racers $10,000 cash nailed to a piece of firewood. Symbolic of Symbolic the original of the tree. Yes. tree that it was nailed to. We couldn't get the whole tree into the fish house. Ah. Mm-hmm. Probably put it in the uh, Alaska Lumberjack Show arena. Just chop it down. Yeah. We should just say that's what we do now, Jesse. Maybe we, uh, they have those you, poles you can climb yeah, in there, right? I think Maybe you should we just nail it to the top of the pole. 100%. So then you could have the first, second, and third place racers have to also race to the top of the pole. So it's once the race is done, the race is not over. There's a the second sprint. race. I can't believe you had this idea without any beer. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> well, I've had plenty of coffee this morning, so that's my, that's my beer. Raven's Brew Coffee. Raven's Ask for it by name. Yes, definitely. Oh, I didn't, actually. That was actually what I had. I made it at home in my French press before I came here. Perfect. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, so the race starts in June from where? So it starts in Port Townsend. Port Townsend. Uh, should mention that this is a project of the Northwest Maritime Center. It ha- just so mm. happens that Mr. Jake Beatty here to my left is the executive director of the Northwest Maritime Center. Oh, just so uh, we do a, a whole lot of other things besides the race mm. to Alaska. But our, our facility is there on the waterfront in Port Townsend. 5 a.m. on June 5th, we'll hopefully fire a very large cannon. That's nice. what I'm hoping for this year. A howitzer. Just a howitzer. <laughs> Whatever the biggest gun we can find is. Maybe uh, your uh, listeners in Ketchikan can find us those... Uh, and they'll, everyone will start <laughs> off. Just bring your own gun. <laughs> bring your own gun. <laughs> Blunderbuss. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, that's, the, that's the start of what we call the Proving Ground. Gives the teams 36 hours to reach uh, Victoria. Mm. Uh, that's okay. the first leg. Like. Make sure everyone can get there. We give them a few days to pull out their duct tape and super glue, put their boats <laughs> back together. Because okay. people always break on that. Like the fr- it's only it's a really it's only thirty miles, but like in a, like usually the docks in Victoria are filled with everyone like patching their boat back together because often they're still building their boat when they start in Port Townsend, <laughs> and then there's this old there's this great quote: "The sea finds out what you did wrong," and usually the mm-hmm. sea finds it out between Port Townsend and Victoria. Well, no, sorry, not to interject for a moment, but you say building their boat, so they're not using prefabricated. Boats. This is something you buy off the shelf. I mean, some of them, but sometimes people are like still cobbling together whatever piece of like hope and plywood and duct tape that they thought was a good idea. Mm-hmm. They're trying to reenact Castaway. Some <laughs> of think. them, yes, yeah. Well, because one one thing, if you don't know about the the race already, uh, as Jake said, we nail that money to a piece of wood and say go get it. Doesn't matter what kind of boat you go in. We have uh, kayaks competing against. 
you know, high performance sailing trimarans and all sorts of things. So, spoiler uh, alert: the high pass, the high paced, fast foiling trimarans win. Huh. <laughs> News alert: fast boats go fast. <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah. So you could, if we were betting, we would want to look at what type of boats people are participating in. That would kind of give us a an idea about who who maybe the winner would be. Yeah, fast boats tend to go faster. Oh, that's a that's yeah, the I'm real scoop that here. Yeah, Write I'm that not, down. I'm if you want to know who's in the race this year, actually, we've just started uh, pushing out what we call the Race to Alaska bios as of this morning. Mm-hmm. You can get on our email list at racetoalaska.com. We provide some information about each boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's questionable as to whether most of it's true, but <laughs> at least it's entertaining. You can go there and start thinking about who you might want to greet on the docks. So when they get here... They're they're uh, greeted with fanfare and champagne bottles and everything at Alaska Fish House, and they they're awarded their their prize. And then, do they sail back or do they burn their boat ceremonially? How does that, how does that work? Well, first I just want to point out you said champagne. There's definitely cheap beer involved. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, so Coors Banquet, the champagne of beers. Absolutely, what we're drinking. Absolutely. Okay. Whatever we can get our hands on. And what do they do with the boats after? Oh my. Oh my. Uh, I've noticed uh, a lot of the racers don't tend to think about that before they so get true. here. <laughs> <laughs> they ask us, we're like, you shot it. She have thought of that before, man. Surely you would have thought yeah. about how, what you're going to do with Surely. your boat. Uh, yeah, a lot of them turn around uh, or put their engines back in their boat. Some mm. some folks will ship their engines up here. They'll because reinstall. this is an engineless, completely engineless race. Completely engineless. You are not even allowed to have it in the boat. You have to physically remove the engine from the boat. You could yourself be the engine, though, right? You could use oars Absolutely. and, you know, drum beats to get yourself going. Oh, drum beats. Yeah, because you have to time it, you know, like stroke, stroke. Or is that only in the movies? It's it's in the movies and occasionally in real life. Yeah. Occasionally in the race to Alaska. Yeah, so people build all sorts of contraptions to get their boats here when there's no wind. We see paddles. We see uh, pedal drives that people mm. have contrived out of old broken bikes Mm -hmm. we see paddle wheels as though they're (laughs) running a casino on the mississippi (laughs) steamboat willie yeah we've never actually seen one of those human-powered paddle wheels get to catch a can so no for that's a hot tip for anyone contemplating a a human-powered drive (laughs) like that was a great idea no it's a terrible idea it looks good though looks it's fantastic it's comical it's uh, the aesthetic is worth it yeah a hundred percent so essentially this is all for the cash, but then I'm assuming there's also bragging rights. So do you also have, like, past winners? Would you ever do, like, best of the best? Like, the winners from the last five years compete against each other? Like, only the best of the best boats? Ooh. That's a great... I'm not sure we could convince most people who've done it before to do it again. <laughs> to do I mean, it again. There's kind of two kinds of people. There's, like, the people that do it every year. Like, there's... Okay. We have, like, the a, what, a five-time veteran team in this year. Oh, Six-time wow. veteran team? Whatever it is. They've done it every single year. Um, and then we have people who get here and just basically set their boat on fire and not, never want to remember <laughs> that they did it again until about a week later when they're just, like, telling all the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the like, some examples of, like, the best stories you've heard from the race to Alaska? Like, what's, like, ones that stick out in your mind over the, the time that you've been doing this? Oh, the ones that we, the ones that we talk about all the time? Yeah. Uh, well, Jake just mentioned uh, some five-time racers. There's a, there's a couple named Ian and Janice. Mm-hmm who uh, have gone by the name Team Oracle for many years. Mm. They did not know each other the first time that they raced. They met from separate teams. They are now a a, a storybook romance. 
you might say. Yeah, they've been That's doing incredible. like the race every. I mean, as a couple now for like five times. It's wow. Yeah. The stinkiest day you could possibly imagine. <laughs> they are racing this year. Uh, they've been doing it human-powered, but this year mm. they've put together a team that they're calling Madam Oracle mm. and the Prairie Porch Pirates. That's a horrible name. It's, it's horrible. not a great name. <laughs> Band name called it. But <laughs> you can yeah. have it. I can have it. Uh, but they, uh, yeah, they'll be up here on a sailboat this year. And as a mm. matter of fact, they've put up uh, a side bet. Uh, we oh. don't we don't provide anything but the ten thousand dollars and the steak knives. But Team Oracle they've they've put out a challenge to all human powered competitors. They've put out an award they are calling the Oracle Blister Prize. So if you get up here and you have done it with human power only, oh, they're going to okay. give you a thousand dollars. Of course, that's Canadian money, so okay. I don't know how much that's worth. Like It'll buy you some or something. Some of that good and coffee. One buffalo nickel, maybe. So, and are they doing it in like actual coins? Like, this is gonna be like a bag. Oh, big thing. bag! I think they... I think we figured it's gonna be about eighteen pounds of Canadian <laughs> it's loonies. It's like the most annoying prize ever because yeah, you gotta you gotta take it back on the plane, right? Yeah, have the plane. No, they're gonna not gonna row it. back. That's gonna mess with your weight limit on your, yeah. on your check bag for most sure. Definitely. So you give away ten thousand dollars in the steak knives. Is that from your own bank account? From your own index fund? You you withdraw all that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good new rule, Jesse. Oh my. Uh, Take that put shirt some, the put some skin in the game. We're going to have to set a meeting to talk about my wages, I think. <laughs> Definitely. It comes from somewhere. I've, oh. I've been told it comes from somewhere. KG. I mean, we have great, we have, you know, we, we charge people to be in the race. Uh, okay. And we have great sponsors both up here in Ketchikan, mm. like Ketchikan Visitors Bureau. And we have some, uh, spo- and, oh, sorry, the Catch. Uh, home Away the From catch. Home. Home Away From Home. Uh, not no yet Raven's Group Coffee, but like I know they're, they're sponsoring here, so you got to mention them again. Most yeah. certainly. Um, but we also have some sponsors down south. So we have okay. sponsors. We got it's it's this whole system of money in, money out, and in the end, we have about a buffalo nickel left over. Yeah, yeah. that's about it. That's awesome. Yeah. So oh, I totally lost my train of thought here. Where I was going to go with that? What about so you saying that the prize is coming from your sponsors and all those things now? Race to Alaska isn't a, your full-time gig, right? That's not your full-time job. This is this is a hobby, well, this or is, it is. This is I, this is Jesse here. I'm the race boss, and so it is my full-time gig. Okay. Uh, in addition, I run another race that we keep down in Washington called the 7048. It's a human-powered only race mm-hmm. that goes 70 miles in 48 hours, and mm-hmm. we start it at 7 p.m. when it's getting dark because we think that's funny. Just to be sadistic. Just to be yeah. sadistic. Just a little uh, bit. Yeah, but that masochist is... masochists only. For masochists only. Uh, certainly. And some of those masochists will even turn around and do Race to Alaska, which is only Oof. two days later. Uh, so, so they use, they some use real nuts, folks. the down south race as like a test. It's a warm-up. Test, up. A warm-up. That's yeah. good. Like so, that. yeah, my, my full-time job is doing these races. Jake, as I said, is an executive director. So he's in all sorts of meetings that I don't understand. They just dabble. He dabbles. He dabbles in the race. Handshakes and spreadsheets. Handshakes and spreadsheets. Sounds right. dirty, but it's not. He <laughs> <laughs> keeps his spreadsheets real clean. Real clean. Real clean. So tell us more about your your day job. It's boring. Can I talk about the race instead? The race <laughs> is the most exciting part of my day job. The thing that we didn't get to talk about, what we probably should, mm. the most incredible story of the race to Alaska by oh, yes, far yes. is the guy who did a stand-up paddleboard. And this is a self-supported race, right? So, like, there's not, like, a little boat following these teams along. you got to pack all your own gear. you got to figure out – you can't prearrange stuff. And this guy – this is, like, 2017, 18, 17, I think. Okay. He did it on a stand-up paddleboard. Sup? And he supped all the way. And he did it in 14 days. And he beat, like, 20 teams. The guy's a monster. This year, we have 
the latest challenger of the guy who's going to try to beat Carl Kruger's record, record to yeah. like get all the way up here. Um, and it's it's going to be a team to watch. It's I can't remember. It's got a, it's got another team name I hate. I can't remember it's, what it is. Uh, uh, Sup and Irish. Sup and Irish. Sup and well, Irish. How did he? Did he have care packages of food like he was doing the no, Pacific a, Coast Trail? No, that's not allowed. Pre-arranged help is not allowed. But you can, can go to the grocery store if you want. You can stay in a hotel. You can go catch a flick. But as long as it's available to everybody, you can't have anything pre-set up by by your support so team. So there's or enough yourself. places along the route to stop to resupply uh, for it's part of it. <laughs> for part <laughs> questionable. I just I've I've done stand-up paddleboarding as like a day thing before, and it wiped me out. I mean, I was like, slept like a baby. For the, you know that night, and I, I mean, my arms were tired after just a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing that consecutive days, much less over two weeks. And he was averaging over 50 miles a day. No way. I mean, he would do goofy stuff. Like when this, it was blowing 50 knots behind him, he would go out and surf right. on a downwind oh, surf. Yeah. Um, so, like, and then he would pull over in his weird little, like, shelter, and his he, he told, he was eating these food re- calorie replacement pellets they were just like mm. this nutrition engineer and he'd pop them in his mouth and like gum them up every 20 minutes or so but he he still lost like 15 pounds by the time I he got here can only i'm surprised it was it was that little i mean yeah. that's that is incredible do you has anyone ever done like a video documentation of their entire journey before there have been a few teams that have put together own, their own films but it actually just so happens that back in november uh, a film, a, a full-length documentary was put out called The Race to Alaska. The film. Race to Alaska. The movie. The movie. The movie. Race yeah. to Alaska, the movie. R2AK. Uh, directed movie. and produced by Zach Carver, who hmm. spent the first six rounds of Race to Alaska as our film boss, producing all okay. of our daily content. He strung together a lot of that content from the first five years of the race, and he put out a full-length documentary that is now available streaming on all sorts of cool platforms like Amazon, amongst others. Uh, people have been eating it up, loving it. Yeah, definitely would have to check that out. You know, because I can imagine somebody like what did you say the guy's name was that did the the paddleboard? Oh, Carl Kruger. Carl, I can imagine how awesome that would be to to film that in either a GoPro, yeah, you know, point of view, or or have one strapped to the the front of the paddleboard and just see what his. Like not even the actual surfing and paddling part, but the in between. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do? Do you camp on the shore? Do you bring camping gear with you? Do you look for hotels? Do you sleep on the board? Does he do yoga on the board in the morning to get warmed up? I mean, that's absolutely fascinating. I can't even it's, all of the above. I'm all of the above. Mind yeah. thoroughly blown. Yeah, and while the that. race is going, uh, anyone who wants to can get an opportunity to see all that happening because once the once we fire the gun. Jake and my job gets real interesting. We're hopping on boats and we're traveling all over the water, just trying to catch up with these folks mm. with cameras in our hands, with our media team, interviewing, seeing what's up, uh, visiting them, having s'mores on the beach. Because that's, I mean, the race is, I mean, ostensibly it's uh, it's two things. It's a race for everyone in the race, and it's kind of this more honest reality TV show slash mm. multimedia universe uh, for everyone else. And it's, you know, it's there. Much like Carl Kruger, uh, but for all of these, no one accidentally does the race to Alaska. Like, you just right. don't wake up and, like, oh, you're in the race. Huh. So, like, they're pretty interesting people. <laughs> they're doing incredible stuff. They're pushing themselves to, like, do something that is their version of incredible. And the stories that come out of this thing are inspiring every single year. So mm-hmm. it's it's worth the watch. And 
if you're in Ketchikan or you're nearby and want to get here, um, we have a live tracker on all of the boats, so you can actually mm-hmm. watch it on the internet and see. You can you can learn about the teams. You can watch them approach, and then everyone's welcome to come down to the Alaska Fish House docks, you know, which mm-hmm. is kind of the, the finish line is right in Thomas Basin. And you can come down if you're rooting for a team. You can come down and meet them. And Ketchikan's been amazing um, every single year, whether it's pouring rain two in the morning like mm-hmm. we, we have somebody on the dock waiting to meet these people because they've just done something amazing mm-hmm. and that's our job but there is always someone from the catch can community down mm-hmm. there too and sometimes the dock's full and sometimes the dock's got five people but it's been such a heartwarming thing to be part of this super supportive community mm-hmm. who celebrate people like real people doing real mm-hmm. things pioneer um, spirit totally yeah it's yeah. great so that's come awesome. down be part of it and you're saying the average time, like you, you one more time, the date you think they're going to be here. Oh boy, it's it's a real toss up. But they're leaving Victoria on June 8th. Okay. Um, so anywhere from the 11th to the 20th <laughs> for the first place teams. But then we have yeah. teams that come in mm-hmm. all the way to basically the first of July. Oh wow. Yeah. And so it kind of sounds like there's some people that maybe it is a race, but they're also looking at it kind of like almost a on the water vacation of sorts. If well, that's your idea of a vacation, <laughs> vacation's a tough, a tough <laughs> way to put it. But it's it definitely the race can be whatever it wants to be for mm-hmm. anybody. And some people are there to to grab grab the money off the off the nail. But mm-hmm. a lot of people are there just to see what they can do with themselves. And this year, we have some some returners, like several people who who didn't make it up north. We have one guy who has twice. Uh, never made it further than Bella Bella. He's now calling mm. himself Bella Bella and Beyond as a team. <laughs> we have a solo kayaker named Bob who made it uh, just north of Campbell River, mm. and or not that far. Yeah, no, he did. He made it near, miles, near to Bella yeah. Bella until his hands gave out. He'll be back this year. So uh, it's it's a target that people can use however they like. If you like misery and hypothermia, you'd love to have vacation at the race <laughs> to Alaska. So if people are listening and they're like, man, I just got to be, I got to participate in this. How would they go about that? Like, I, I'm not going to. I no? Have, I have a, no, Coward. I, no, I have, <laughs> I have a four-month-old. Oh, I don't yeah. think she would survive out there. And I don't know if her mom would let me do it. But so, if, but if someone was unburdened, unlike me, how would they go about joining the race to Alaska? Well, the first thing you can do is you can go to r2ak.com. You can see the requirements because there are a few. Mm-hmm. We vet the teams that go through. Um you can you can see what is required of that. So you can race. There's also ways to, to be involved that are not necessarily racing. Uh, we're down in Port Townsend. We throw a party the day before mm. the race called the Ruckus. It'll be June 4th this year. If you feel like getting off the rock and heading down there, we mm-hmm. take... Getting off the rock. Listen to you. Catch Let, can. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm taking it taking all in. Go. <laughs> it's Alcatraz, right? We're in Alcatraz? Uh, <laughs> you just lost it. You just lost the entire audience. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of great volunteer opportunities down mm. there. Um, but if you're, if you're wanting to race to Alaska, first thing I say is go sailing, go paddling, mm. go, uh, go throw yourself at the mercy of the, of, of nature. Of Test yourself Neptune's a little bit. Mercy. That's right. But there's probably also like, there's opportunities to get involved up here too. So mm. just mm-hmm. if you, if you're interested in being part of the race, but not actually racing, mm-hmm. probably get in touch with Jesse through the website at r2ak.com and we'll find a way to plug whoever's in. Yeah, it sounds like you have lots of different opportunities. Media team, support, sounds like maybe some medical in there. 
Do you provide medical assistance? People get no crushed. No, no. So you got to get some, maybe some of uh, the travel nurses. You know, a lot of people travel up here for medical. Maybe they could be of use to you, <laughs> especially if there's. Hopefully not to us. Hopefully not we're going to be not okay. You specifically, yeah. But uh, no, your, we'll be we'll team. be resting comfortably comfortably over the catch. <laughs> yes, we'll be well. So you, you guys hang out at the catch until it's until the race is over. That's your home. Like you said, that was your home away from home. Yeah, that'll be the home away from home this year. We. We we sit and hang out at the catch, twiddling our thumbs, and until a racer comes in, and then we scurry on down to the docks. Fantastic! And when will you be back here? Uh, well, you can expect Jake or myself to be showing up in Ketchikan sometime in the hours before the first team <laughs> gets okay, here. Okay, so you're not in June. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll have to have you back in June so you, we can hear more about this year's race and and give us a you know, a live in-person report on, you know, everything that's happening, maybe your, some of your best stories from this year. Uh, I know <clears throat> you have to go catch a flight out of here, and you're super stressed about it, so I'm going to let you <laughs> let you go. But Jake and Jesse, thank you so much for coming on First City Forum this morning with me here on KTKN and CatchCanRadio.com, and we look forward to seeing you in the future. And good luck to all the participants in the Race to Alaska. Gentlemen, thanks so much. Thanks to you, and thanks to Ravens Brew. <laughs> Just one more. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back after a one short song here, and I have Dave Kiefer in the house. Stay tuned. First City Forum continues on KTKN. Welcome back to First City Forum. Thanks for tuning in here on KTKN and streaming on catchacanradio.com. If you just were tuning in and listening, we just had... Jesse and Jake from the Race to Alaska. They just left. But I'm back here with the one, the only, Dave Kiefer. How's it going, Dave? It is going great today. And I'm happy to be here in Alaska's sailing capital. In the, in the sailing capital of Alaska. Of Alaska. There you go. Or possibly of the world. No. Yep. Yeah, you know. You never know. Dream big. Dream big, baby. Go big or go home. That's right. And I see we're both in our sporting the color du jour. Semi-green. Yeah. Semi-green. Yeah. I, I, I can't wear too much green because I look like the uh, leprechaun from the Lucky le- Charm. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I, this is a subtle green. A subtle green, if you will. Yeah. I had to bust out the hoodie. All my green clothes were either dirty or my wife said, uh, that's blue. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Well, like, that's, that's a green tint. Too. It is green. So uh, there's a lot of, I m- imagine festivities here in Ketchikan for St. Patrick's Day. I know we got a couple bands are playing at the Sourdough. Um, there's also live music at New York Cafe. I don't know if they're going to be doing Irish-themed music or not. There's no uh, real Irish bar. I know places I've lived in the past have actual, you know, a, a bar that's Irish you know, bar. an Irish bar. It's, you know, 365 <coughs> Irish, you know, food and everything. They have a countdown on the wall you know, days and minutes and hours and seconds until St. Patty's Day. Well, we need to get Ketchikan's uh, resident Irish expert, Willie O'Brien, involved in that then. There we go. I think at one point he had an Irish bar here years ago. So You know, I think the New York Cafe yep. was an Irish bar at one point, right? Before it, it was, it, it, it's gone it, through many iterations. Gosh, it was so many, th- 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 there have been so many iterations in that space over the over the decades that, yeah, I think it was at one point an Irish bar, but, okay. you know, it was, it, it, it's been many bars. You know, and some of my favorite, you know, St. Patrick's Day things to do are go to the bar, drink a Guinness, maybe have a little bit of whiskey or whatnot, uh, maybe not too much these days, watch some Irish dancing and, and sing some, some folk songs. But, you know, I wonder, you know, what do they do in Ireland for St. Patrick's Day? 
I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, I lived in Ireland for a year. Oh, wow. I was getting a, a master's degree in creative writing from a, a program over there. I was actually in Donegal, which is mm. fascinating. It's it's way up north in Ireland, not not in Northern Ireland, but it's actually in Ireland itself, but it's actually north of Northern Ireland. It's actually on the same latitude as Ketchikan. Oh, wow. So okay. it's kind of like being in Ketchikan when we know trees. What I found when I was over there was a lot of the stereotypical things that uh, we in the Irish diaspora, as they say, um, <laughs> appreciate are, if not quite looked askance over in Ireland itself, they're definitely um, not as big a deal over there. Hmm. Probably the first thing was, and, and I understand this has changed, that, that, that right. in, in Dublin and elsewhere, you know, now they, they, they tend to do more of a big, full-throated St. Pat, Patty's Day uh, celebration. But at least when I was there, and I was in a small town in mm-hmm. the north, as I said, um, it was still primarily a religious oh. Thing. Interesting. And it was somber. They they had a parade, uh, but mm. it was definitely not you know they, they they were not you know pouring green dye into the in, in, into, into the, the river. Water. Yeah, um, they were they were they were not drinking themselves silly as as, as we mm. tend to do in the U.S. That was one thing. Um, they, they they take drinking very seriously over there. They're, mm-hmm. they're not going to waste alcohol. They're not going to get overly mm-hmm. over, overly drunk. Um, there were a variety of other things too that I noticed in my year there. Um, mm. For example, um, pretty much. No one eats potatoes unless they have to. Huh. Interesting. Uh, I mean, is that that seems like a, a stereotype left over from a, a bygone age and era, ab- right? Ab- absolutely. In fact, the, the the few times they actually gave me, they, they actually fed me t- potatoes was they were trying to show me. Well, this is cold cannon. This is a traditional recipe. It involves potatoes. We don't eat it anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, um, so sorry. Another area that kind of fascinated me, now, I'm, I'm very involved in music, and actually when I traveled mm-hmm. over there, I, actually, I took one of my saxophones with me, and I took a flute, oh, amazing. figuring I, I, would, I would play a lot in the, in the, the, the pubs over there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and Falcara, the town I lived in, was much like Ketchikan in that there were only 1,000 people there, 1,200 people, but they had 12 bars. <laughs> <laughs> and and there that was there was music in the bars every night. Oh wow, that's awesome! Which was kind of cool. That is really cool. I that said, too. it was probably not what you would expect. Mm, okay. Um, the 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 standard rule was, and I played. I, I didn't play every night in the bars, but I mm-hmm. played usually a couple times a week at least because they were always, "Hey, let's get the yank! Hey, yeah, get the, hey, <laughs> the yank! He's got a saxophone. Let's have him show up." Yeah. So the, so they they would grab me or they'd say, "You need to play in this bar that night or whatever." And that mm-hmm. was always kind of fun. They would start off playing traditional music, okay. trad as they called it, you know, the Irish folk songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they'd do that for maybe the first hour. All right. And then they would gradually transition into a different genre. Any guesses? Hmm. 